officially. Happy Friday. Thanks for making it. Thanks was... for having me. <laughs> How was the drive in? It was fine. I had Nikki drive. I picked up my sister and she drove the rest of the way. So I could do what? Texting and do our makeup. Makeup. Yeah. Yeah. Braid my hair. Yeah. Stopping wet. Looks. Looks very nice. Yeah. What's going on, guys? Happy Friday. Welcome to Video Chicken. Coming to you live from Creedmoor, North Carolina. Thanks to. I always forget to mention this. Thanks to Carolina Coops, right? Of course. Yeah. <laughs> Pays for everything. Uh, to my left is my host, Kristen Warren, who Hello. is on time today. Our chicken expert, our chickenista, I believe, is your official title. Well, we have a real chicken expert coming on today. We have a chicken. Well, you're a real chicken yeah, well, expert. Well, no, I'm like a hobbyist. I don't Enthusiast, think Enthusiast, but we have a real expert. You don't think of yourself as an expert? I, I disagree. I know some stuff. You know some stuff. From and you, experience. And you get from paid. Studies. You have gotten paid for your knowledge. So I, I think that makes you a chicken professional. But yes, today, we have waited so long for this day. Mm -hmm. I'm excited. I'm not going to lie to you. I was up 3.30. And I couldn't go back to sleep. I can't wait. If you guys know anything about me, the people I love to associate myself with are the smart people. Because I'm not very smart. Yes, I would are. not be able to survive without smart people. And I love learning. <laughs> smart so, people probably wouldn't want to, wouldn't be able to survive. Like if there was a real survival game or whatever, or we get to some situation, you're like one of the people you would want on your team. Why? You got skills. You got skills. Well, I appreciate that. Maybe skills. But anyway, so today we have. Oh, I thought you were no. going to do the introduction. <laughs> we have Dr. Crespo. Yeah, that's that's your cue to talk. We have Dr. Crespo in the green room right now. She is a veterinarian. And I believe, if I'm going to say this correctly, she specializes in. Poultry. Poultry. We have a veterinarian, chicken specialist, poultry specialist. Now, and I was kind of curious is it best to say poultry does that make it more official when we get to this high level of intelligence of chicken health and things like we'll that have to ask her. yeah so that is i got some questions for her and i see ingrid's done her homework mm -hmm. uh oh i i think i forgot to introduce ingrid over there uh as always behind the computer running everything i hope everything sounds good it looks like our audience is coming in again if you're just joining us welcome to video chicken happy friday I still, I know I say it every week, but I cannot believe how fast these weeks are flying <laughs> by. It is we can have that as a recording and just hit play. It is already, what, August 6th? Oh, yeah, it's yeah. August 6th. Mm -hmm. Anyways, all right, guys. Well, remember, this show is for you. If you have any questions, please type them into the comments. If you don't have any questions, you're just here because you got nothing else to do. Please, just like Patty did, please wave hi. Leave a comment. Let us know where you are watching from. We absolutely love to see where everyone is listening and watching. Yes. You know, I would love to know too, how many people are watching us on their computer or maybe they're watching us on their phone? Yeah, that is a good question. We should be able to look that up in the analytics, correct? Ingrid, Ingrid's being quiet. I'm trying to get yeah. her to chime in. She's yeah. probably typing <laughs> she, furiously. Yeah, I, I feel her that. eyes are still burning <laughs> into me from last week where... You guys uh, were uh, fighting over the mouse controls? Well, we we don't fight, we compromise. Don't we, Ingrid? That's right. Thank you. There she is. That's Fight Ingrid, until everyone. Compromise. <laughs> um, yeah, let me know in the comments. Do you watch on the computer or do you watch on the phone? Um, also, I think we might skip Mackenzie, depending on how the show goes and with all the questions. But I imagine having a poultry veterinarian mm -hmm. expert 
we got lots to talk about. It seems like whenever we have a special guest, there's just so much good information there. It, it, it takes up most of the time. So it, it, I... it really does. So again, guys, this show is for you. If you have any questions, please let them know. And today we are focusing on chicken health, I guess you would say. Yes. Right? Yep. Watching on Roku. We're on Roku? Well, YouTube. You can watch YouTube through your uh, streaming service. Mr. Mike Trapp, as always, one of our loyalists. Uh, he... So he watches us on the big screen. Oh, and before <laughs> I forget, yeah, oh, you know, I have some people that are like, wow, they'll send me pictures of them watching us in their bedroom. Weird. Right? On the big screen. I, no, I think it's great. Well, I know you do. I absolutely love it. <laughs> if, if we've earned the right to come in the people's I've watched the replay in my bedroom. Oh, you have? Yeah. On the big screen. Mm -hmm. And you don't ever watch TV. No, this is like sh this is like show research. <laughs> that is true. I, right. I, I'll admit I do the same thing on my computer and just to kind of get an idea of what we can do better, see how we're looking, see how we're sounding. Uh, reminds me of how things were in the beginning. Oh, we got someone on the phone in Brazil. Wow. Um, I was just watching the Olympics. I, actually, I think they end today and the uh, girls volleyball team was playing Brazil. Gave them a run for their money, but USA still won. All right, well, let's go ahead and get started. Uh, Mrs. Crespo, Dr. Crespo, are you ready? All right, she gave us a little thumbs up. Well, let's go ahead and bring her in. So again, if you guys are just joining us, we are going to have a specialist guest speaker. She's a veterinarian um, <laughs> from local here. Hi, how are you doing today? Oh, 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 there Hi, you great. are. Yep. Thank, you for Thank you for inviting me. You are welcome. I'm going to turn you up a little bit. If our audience could do us a huge, huge favor, just make sure you can hear her correctly. Uh, it sounds a little bit different for us, but Ingrid should be hearing the main output, but I just turned you up a little bit. So thank you so much for coming on. I hope I didn't embarrass you in the introduction, but I do want to ask, <laughs> what would be your official title? Uh, Dr. Crespo, if you ask for all the titles i have after my name <laughs> you got quite a few she's got she's got yeah, a whole go alphabet ahead. after her name well go ahead rattle them off <laughs> so i have a dvm that's doctor in veterinary medicine i have a master's in science that's the msc from canada i have a dvsc dvsc is doctor in veterinary science that's an equivalent to a phd um then I am a diplomate of the College of Poultry Veterinarians in the United States. Okay. Yeah, you so worked hard for all that. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Wow. That is awesome. Okay. So, and I do have to ask, where are you from originally? Spain, originally. Spain. Okay. That's where your foreign exchange yes. student was from. It was an island, though, off of Spain, right? Mm -hmm. um, I can't remember. The, oh. Mallorca. Which one? Mallorca. Oh, okay. Yeah, hopefully one day we'll get to go travel. Well, thank you so much for being here. I must say, with all those letters after your name, you must have a love for animals, and in this case, chickens. How did this all start for you? I grew up uh, with chickens uh, when I was back in Spain, and when I went to the vet school, I always wanted to specialize and work with birds. So that's what I did. That's fantastic. How many years have you been uh, working with birds? Ah, oh, gee, do you want to know how old I am? Was that was no. that was that a bad question? <laughs> I just I just think it's amazing to 
you know, we all work so hard to become what we want to be, if you will. And I, I, I don't have the luxury of having fancy names behind Coop Builder, but so much time does go into be yeah. able to uh -huh. gain that knowledge. And there's one thing I've always loved about people when they get into the profession that they love is from the experience, you become so incredibly knowledgeable for, versus people that are just getting into it. Uh, so th th that's why I asked, but you don't have to answer that. That's okay. Um, so we do have some questions for you, and I wasn't sure if you guys had anything else before we begin. Well, I just want to mention that um, Dr. Crespo heads the, what is it, the NC State Mobile Poultry Veterinary Services, which I have availed myself to, and I'm do, very grateful for. Do we have a picture? Can we bring up like a website, social well, media? I will put all the links on, on our... Um, after on the um, the website and on um, YouTube, but there's a picture of oh oh what did you do? I didn't do anything. What did you do? We have music now somewhere. It just what what happened there? I am sorry about automatically that. Automatically plays. I guess if you go to our YouTube channel uh, behind the scenes here, I thought it'd be awesome if we can bring up just a quick visual of Hang what on. we're talking about. So you said it's called the NC State. Here's a. Can we share screen yep. here? Yeah, here. I will. This is them at my coop. Um, and then you got that. So you had a whole team come out. Yes. So, I mean, Dr. Crespo can talk about what the service provides, but they, they come and check out the health of your flock, whether you have a backyard chicken coop like me or if you're a farmer. But let her talk more about what yeah, she covers and what she, what they do. Right. So NC, in NC State is North Carolina. Right. Okay. Awesome. And they have a huge veterinary school there, just in, that's famous for the you know across the country that people go to. And, and so and my mind is just wondering too, what brought her to North Carolina? So tell us about what you do, please. What do I do? Um, so I am specializing poultry. Uh, so similar to what uh, the medical doctors do, that they have different specializations and they teach uh, people who want to be doctors. I uh, teach people who want to become veterinarians, especially uh, the area of poultry. So poultry will involve not only the chickens, it will be the turkeys, it will be ducks, geese, quail, pheasants, uh, so all those domestic uh, birds that we may have in uh, our yards or that they are raised commercially. Uh, so we just make sure that they are kept healthy. Excellent. Uh, so I think that answers that question. Um, so you know, I don't, I, I have to admit, uh, when I think of poultry, I, I was only think of chickens, mm -hmm. but it does cover Domestic, I love she's domestic birds. So that's amazing because we do do a lot with turkeys, ducks. We just did a lot with geese. Do, do geese fall under poultry? Mm -hmm. okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, as long as they are uh, raised in a uh, uh, in a premise by humans, yeah. If, like the can the Canada geese, they don't. Those are wild. Birds. <laughs> okay. So you teach the students that are getting into poultry i teach all the students from first year so um we do have core horse uh, the core courses and we expect from veterinarians that they will be able to handle 
all type of species when they become veterinarians. So they have to have a basic knowledge, not only of cats, dogs, but also food animals that includes cattle, pigs, sheep, uh, pigs, and chickens and turkeys and <laughs> all those uh, fun things that I do. All right. Well, that is excellent. And then there's a travel team that are the students that we were just looking at here. If we bounce back here real quick to, uh, and I think you can see it on your end. If I share the screen and I come back over here. So you have a whole travel team. So this is, what is the territory that the veterinarian hospital from NC State, the, the road team, if you will, what is there, is there a, a certain diameter so that they'll travel? Yeah, we usually uh, try to uh, do one hour because it takes uh, one hour with from the university, no, no longer than that. It uh, takes too much time on our uh, side, so it's just uh, one hour. Now we have gone sometimes farther than one hour. Uh, we have clients that they have team up together, like two or three people, oh. and we have visited the two or three, so they we go a little bit beyond the hour, so they share the cost of the traveling, and then it makes it as worth uh, going uh, a little bit beyond the hour. I got you. So I have I have a question that um, I have to ask that pertains to probably if you were to ask any of our customers what is their favorite part about the chicken coop, and it's something that Kristen introduced me to 13 years ago. Now yeah, I said she was crazy, um, but I would love to hear your input on this. Uh, and it's what we call the deep litter system. All of our chicken coops, we incorporate the deep litter system and we line the bottom of the hen houses and we come up 12 inches with a, a food safe material called high density polyethylene, just like giant cutting boards. And I can tell you it, from experience and listening to our customers, it's just amazing as a set it, forget it system. And I have read, and this does make sense, that the deep layer system, if incorporated correctly, can actually help promote the health of the chicken. So I'm really curious if you have any thought on that statement and any experience uh, with the deep litter system, and if you have any advice for us and our listeners about incorporating the deep litter system. So I agree with you. I really like the deep litter system, but it depends very much of how many birds you have in the coop and the space and whether it is covered area or not, because if it's uh, exposed to the elements may not be the ideal as mm -hmm. it may get wet and yes. fungus grows. So it depends. Everything depends. <laughs> there is not the right answer uh, or the wrong answer. Uh, so, uh, yes, I agree, uh, deep litter, you build it up to eight, I start with five inches, build it up, you can do usually eight inches is enough, but you can go higher, and then you just move it, make sure it doesn't form cakes or doesn't get humid, and you can keep it for years if you want, really, as long mm -hmm. as uh, people in the commercial industry, they keep it up to five years as long as it's managed right oh so wow. I, I, I didn't know they were using it commercially i had no idea that you that yeah, they would use it commercially that is very interesting we need to start sell, selling them some of our industrial hemp what do they use in a commercial facility whatever they can get uh, <laughs> okay isn't it probably they it won't be the the material that you use is probably less expensive material okay. depending on the area 
but they uh, they are located. So it's just some source of carbon. Yep. Yeah. And then what they they would use between flocks, as you know, in commercial, they they the house is all in all out, not like in our small flocks that we keep replacing birds and it's never the house is never empty. So in between flocks, they actually compost that litter. So they reduce by composting. They are trying to reduce the the bacteria or the microbes are there. Um, they're trying to sterilize a little bit the environment. So yeah. they put it back again out. Um, so it, it can be used. I mean, the, that litter in uh, uh, flocks that are used for table eggs are mainly those that are organic flocks are going both for a premium for organic fertilizer. Oh, yeah, I reuse mine as well. I compost mine and reuse it. So I am so happy to hear Dr. Crespo also mention something else that you say a lot. And I can't say I agree or disagree what? because it's such a bold statement that oh, I think that, that you we, can go more than one year or well, years. I yeah. know you can. Right. And she even said commercially. Yeah going five That's years, huge, yeah. that is absolutely huge. And I know, you know, I, I love telling people about the deep litter system and how we've incorporated it into our chicken coop so that if you're one of those lazy chicken people, which I know I am, um, it's a set and forget a system if you do it correctly. And she also mentioned to make sure you're not overloading it. Yeah. You don't want to have too many chickens per square foot. Um, and so since you mentioned that, would do you have like a your sweet spot number for, I'm not, I'm not sure if we can go as simple as here's how many here's a how many chickens per x number of square feet for a deep litter system do you have like a recommendation for that range uh you know i don't but they, you can go like a, a couple of square feet per bird if they were just in that area now you are going to go out and they're going to go into the yard mm -hmm. so that will be the space inside the coop area that's where i would or somewhere where is fence but since you have more space that will be the minimum i would recommend no less than that uh, if you get them too close even though they are uh, always they, they they are flock animals and they live together um if they are too close they fight just like us okay for too long too close <laughs> And they like their room at night too. So. Yes. You know, yeah. Well, that's another thing we're huge fans of. I mean, we're chicken people. We are chicken snobs. And, you know, the reason why this business started for us is we just, well, we love chickens and we want to make them happy. And when I went out chicken coop shopping, when I wanted chickens, I was like, these are awful. Um, so we couldn't agree more. Or we often say size does matter when it comes to chicken coops. Um, so that that is amazing that the, they're deep littering commercially and yeah, only makes really sense that they should. I always learn something on these shows. Yeah, absolutely. Well, going back to what you do and what your team does, I was really surprised when Ingrid told me that she had a chicken expert come to her house, one of your services, your vet veterinary services. And it was something I didn't know. And I'm just really excited about this. When your team shows up, what, what do they do and what for what different reasons do they come? Is this just a health check or do you have to have something wrong with the birds? And, and what's the, what does the team do? How many people show up? Can you give just some information about what a typical visit looks like? 
so typically it will be at least two of us uh, in the photo group you have in the background is the four of us okay um they are uh, they are, that's me on the right mm -hmm. and then the good looking fellows on the left they are my students mm -hmm. uh, and that they are also veterinarians who love chickens and they or poultry and they are trying to get uh, become a specialist of uh, in poultry um so we always like to go two at least so we can handle the birds together if we need to do any procedures with the bird one mm -hmm. could hold the, the animal while the other one is doing the procedures or we can uh one may take it notes while the other person is uh, doing some physical activity with the, the the birds there is no need to have a problem to call us uh, one of the major things that we find is people don't set up their coops properly that's a major ah. concern that's one of the things that we go many times just to do an assessment uh, of how the uh, house is set up, whether it's set up, they have enough space, the feeders, the drinkers, the perches are set up properly, they have enough space, uh, how is the nesting area, ventilation in the house, uh, all those things. Yeah, they look at everything. Yeah, that is, I mean, that's, that's, I, I'm so yeah, happy to a, hear that. Uh, yeah, just a back to basics check to make sure everything is it is correct before you start looking at the birds is that right yep okay yeah you don't and, there are many problems that uh i can fix them but unless i fix the environment it will reoccur again oh so again it just goes to sh i can't prove we are not paying her to say this it's we i always say it's all about the coop if you build the right coop Right. Chickens are the easiest animal mm -hmm. to keep. They're the easiest hobby, especially yeah. with the deep litter if system. You, if you have it set up correctly from the beginning, they are super easy. Yeah, and just understand you can't put them in those little tiny mm -hmm. chicken coffins like you see coming in from China. Um, and, and I, I, I oh, I'm ahead. sorry. No, I was going to say, and just to plug you guys, the team was very impressed with my coop. Oh, good. And they even took it took pictures of it. Oh. So they, you know, and they even opened to see what kind of food you give them. I mean, it's extremely thorough. They they caught, we, well, one chicken was tough to catch, but we got, we got all the chickens and they physically examined <laughs> each and every one of them. Well, that's another skill is chicken catching. Yeah. It took, chicken wrangling. It took us, it took three of us to get my <laughs> Easter egg. <-er. laughs> <laughs> um, something I was wondering is, have you seen a demand? Have you seen the classes grow? Have you seen more people interested in learning more about poultry science, if you will? And also, have you seen more of a demand for your services? Uh, we have seen more interest in small flocks. So, and let's go on and explain what a small flock is versus a commercial flock. And I don't like to call it backyard because mm. not everyone is backyard. It's, uh, it is a small flocks. So anything described in uh, that is less than a thousand birds is considered a, back, a backyard for uh, USDA. I call it the small flocks. But as you can imagine, people <laughs> who have a thousand birds, they probably go more to a, a farmer's market. They do it for profit, not for enjoyment so much of the bird as a pet. And then you have, in the other extreme, you have individuals that have only three birds. That would be the minimum number of birds I will recommend to have, okay. three of them. Um, 
unless you are all the time at home and then they're very difficult to potty train. So you have to have them with diapers and be around all the time. They're really social animals. They really need to be in the group. So having one is almost like you are going to be the companion of that chicken. Mm -hmm. So a small flock, if I heard her correctly, uh, a small flock is a thousand or under. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yep. So you've got this covered. Yeah, I got I got room to grow. <laughs> um, uh, we actually do have a question from one of our viewers, if it's okay. Yeah. Okay, awesome. Uh, there's a question from a dentist, and actually, I'll just go ahead. Not a dentist, but a dentist. If that sound, if that came out right, um, we'll bring it in over here. Uh, he says, if you have chicks and laying hens in the same run, what type of feed would you feed a grower feed? Would you feed a grower feed or a layer feed or an all flock feed? So the question is, you know, if you have chicks and laying hens together, is there a recommendation for what type of feed to consider? So to me, I would probably bring both feed together, but I will take advantage of the different size of the birds to prevent the bigger bird to get into the growing feed and the height of the older bird so the younger bird cannot get into the feeder of the laying hen if that makes sense to you so, so change the height of the feeders that's right so the the ideal height of a feeder it should be about uh, chest height okay so okay. of course the little bird will be a smaller so it will have to almost jump up to get to the mature bird um while the uh, uh, the other thing you could do, the, the older bird can reach down. Yes. So what you do, but they do have a wider face and they have the comb. So you can modify the feeder to prevent them to put the head into that feeder. They don't like to have their comb heat on. Yes. So they will not uh, get the, the, into that feed if you modify the feeder and prevent them from coming and taking that feed. That's a great idea. Is it worse for our, for chicks to have laying feed because it has yes. calcium in it than it is for yes. a, a laying hen to have grower feed, correct? Definitely, definitely. Uh, we have seen cases of, uh, because of the, there is a balance between the calcium and the phosphorus. If you put too much calcium, they may end up with rickets because they are trying to get rid of that calcium. So they are actually taking also the phosphorus as they are taking the calcium out. So it's not good to have a growing bird with a layer uh, feed. Definitely, that's not a good idea. Now, if you have um, a laying bird uh, in a grow uh, in the feed for growing birds, the protein is too high for that bird and then uh, protein, excess protein has to be removed through the kidney, which is going to put pressure in the kidney and may predispose the bird to kidney stones. Hmm. Oh, I so didn't you know you could have too much protein. Yeah. it's interesting. Yeah. yeah. So one of the major things that we have is uh, you can have that protein, that excess protein. So you don't want to, to overload the, the, the kidney or create obesity or anything like that. The, the needs are higher. Uh, the body of the of the layer is to lay eggs, mm -hmm. uh, not to grow. 
and the diet for growing is formulated for those birds to build up the skeleton, to build up the muscles, and not so much to lay eggs. Okay, so and there's a very there's I think it's a pretty small range between grower and layer, right? I mean, we're talking about yeah. I was uh, just the thinking the same thing because they have that all-in-one feed, and now I'm the wondering all the all flock. Yeah. So if you got turkeys, geese, chickens, sometimes that's your go-to. Okay, that's what I thought. <laughs> that she's saying no. That's oh. No, they, especially when you have turkeys and other species, turkeys have a completely different need of feed. So if you have turkeys, you will be better with a game fowl feed than a chicken feed. Don't put an, an uh, if you have ducks, they really need a lot of fiber compared to uh, oh. chickens and uh, turkeys. So you need a waterfowl or, or duck type of feed. It's a different type of feed altogether. Wow. Yeah, I didn't know that. Huh. That is well, I knew they all had different feed, right. but you know, just that they were there's a very specific formulation. Right, and I always wondered how is it that yeah. we can just have an all flock and that covers it, and that's you know, you just assume, yeah. you know, just like you assume these Chinese coffin coops are, are good. I guess I I kind of did the same thing that, you, yeah. you know, uh, you go to the all flock. And I want to say I'm guilty of that with our yeah. turkeys. Now, knock on wood, we didn't have any health issues, but it is interesting to uh, get into the exact science of it. Yeah, all those pellets look the same, right? <laughs> you, you, you've never tried them, have you? Oh, no, I'll wait till next week's show. I was, I was watching a show recently where we, we should do a retake of uh, you using the uh, straw, the hemp stock. Uh, we have a question from Aditi Newman. And her yep. question is about using diatomaceous earth in the coop slash okay. run. Uh, okay. she, she goes on to actually say, I have read it can be dangerous to a chicken's respiratory system, potentially dangerous to, I'm going to bring up the comments over here uh, just so everyone else can read it, uh, potentially dangerous to the human spreading it and dangerous to the helpful insects such as honeybees if clouds of DE blow away from the coop if trying to prevent lice and mites in the coop and run. I've also read that Elector PSP is the best and safest treatment for lice slash mites, or is there something else you would recommend given the high cost of Elector? So there's a lot going on into that question. I didn't mean to cut you off, but I wanted no, no, to also just... bring it up so you could read it as well. Uh, so I guess I would love to first, we diatomaceous earth is brought up all the time. And um, I would love to maybe just start with your opinion on diatomaceous earth in general. So uh, there are two general ways of diatomaceous earth. They talk about diatomaceous earth and, di and uh, food grade diatomaceous earth. So some people will swear by the food grade diatomaceous earth and they, they will add it, they will add the diatomaceous earth to the feed of their chickens to actually prevent uh, in, intestinal parasites. So what the diatomaceous earth in the feed does is actually irritates the gut and the gut moves faster. So the uh, worms cannot latch in the, in the gut. So they, in a way they help to reduce the parasitism because they are not able to latch to the wall of the, of the gut and hold there just because the, it moves. Uh, but it is a minor uh, advantage. Most of the DE 
is used for external parasites. And the way that DE works is like a very sharp knives and they cut the external skeleton of the insects. And then of course, water gets, uh, gets out of the insect and dehydrates the, the insect and they die. Mm -hmm. So that's how uh, DE works. DE has to be now, DE absorbs a lot of water. So you can, uh, that's why it absorbs from the insect. And that's what they were talking about, the bees, that they may actually reduce the bee population because it will get into that on that the outside body and then cut into the body and extract the water. Um, so that's uh, how it works. I do not recommend DE inside the coop. I do recommend it to have it covered in a well-ventilated area, similar to what the, the uh, listener was talking about. Uh, it causes respiratory disease, that's true. As long as it's well ventilated, then the problem is not that major. So you never put DE inside a coop. You may want to put it in the run outside uh, where there is well ventilated and covered because as long as if it rains over it, it's just a waste of DE. You don't use that DE anymore. Um, I was wondering about that. So I remember, and of course, go ahead and say it. Matt was a... Matt was a exterminator well that you got to do it again next time well i'll give you next time. so i was an exterminator and it i'm very mind, yeah. thankful that i had a phenomenal education great teachers and i'll never forget my one of my teachers from england um explaining this and again diatomaceous earth comes up all the time and i never could understand why people would put diatomaceous earth in the food. And I want to explain why real quick. And here it might also help what you're explaining about diatomaceous earth being a desiccant is my teacher explained if you are barefoot and you're walking on wet sand, that sand is not really going to get in between your toes. But if you're walking on dry sand, that sand is going to get in between your toes. And you got to think of, in this case, diatomaceous earth the same way. In order for it to cut up that outside cuticle and act as a desiccant, it needs to be dry. So when you put diatomaceous earth in the food, it, in my mind, it's going to get wet and it's going to pack down. But there is still some efficacy is what you're saying, but maybe just not as much as you would think. And then furthermore, and I completely understand this, you're just wasting the diatomaceous earth if it's getting into a wet area. It needs to stay dry. I mean, they don't go and take a dust bath in mud. They go to a dry area. Another great reason why we love on all of our chicken coops, you have that solid roofed run that keeps that ground nice and dry. Yeah. And then, uh, so that that's a good point. I mean, I really like the uh, comparison between the wet sand and the dry sand on your toes. I, I really uh, like that one. Thank you. Would you use um, it in the chicken coop, like just on the in the corners of the nesting box or the um, the roosts, um, anything like I, that? I, you know, you could use it in the. Um, uh, I, like I said, I don't like inside the, the okay because of the irritation um, that it may cause. Uh, they, they, regardless of what you do, they will choose where they dust bathe. Okay. They never select the area. Oh, that's where they are going to dust bathe. Yes. They are going to bathe somewhere else. <laughs> 
So you may use some of that DE and the area that they dust bathe. Usually the areas that they will select for dust bathing are covered areas, hidden with a little bit less light. They are not going to be in the middle of the yard. It may be under the stairs yeah. or under a porch or under a, a brush or something. Mm -hmm. So you have to find out where they like to dust bathe and that's when you use the DE. Another option for people to use is ashes. So if they have a wooden um, uh, fire, then they can use the ashes and they don't have to spend the money on DE. Those are options, very good options to keep the parasites in low numbers and help them to keep the parasites. They, they are birds, they are outside, they are going to get parasites. So we are trying to keep those uh, numbers low. We are not trying to exterminate them. Now, um, some people uh, want to be um, organic, and that, those are organic options. Spinosad is another organic uh, option, too, for uh, uh, controlling parasites. Elector uh, the, is actually the active ingredient is spinosad. So that's, uh, you can spray it. Uh, in the the nice thing with Elector, it comes as a liquid, so you can spray it inside the coop because these uh, parasites may uh, be on the bird, but if the bird, if they don't like the, the taste of the bird, they are going to get out of the bird and hide inside the crevices of the coop. So you have to actually not only treat the bird, but you need to treat the coop as well so they don't come back to the bird once they... Uh, everything uh, wears out from the bird. And God, this brings back great memories. Do you have to withdraw eggs when you do that treatment? Not with Elector. Okay. No, it, it is allowed with Elector. And uh, diatomaceous earth is also considered organic, so no. With other ones, yes, you do. Most of the uh, internal parasite drugs that you're using, yes, you do need uh, to do withdrawal. And it's usually with internal parasite drugs, takes about three weeks for withdrawal. So what did, what do you see most in like the smaller flocks in people's backyard flocks like mine? Like what are the ailments that you're seeing or the problems that our people are having when you So um the, the, it depends on the age of the of the birds mm -hmm. uh, and the flock. Um, we do see respiratory disease problems, um, and the, uh, as we go, um, uh, what we see with respiratory problems is uh, people introduce a new bird, and some of these diseases are carried by, by birds, and they build up this immunity, and they don't show any clinical signs, but that they're under stress, they may come up and start shedding that uh, those bugs. Similar to when we have like the sores in the mouth that we don't have it, but then suddenly we get a cold or we get the stress and then we get the ulcers in the mouth and the sores. So similar, it happens to the birds. They carry some uh, microbes that uh, they don't show any clinical signs because their immune system keep those microbes in check but when they are stressed and that means like they are moved to a new premise they uh, come uh, they are introduced to animals they are not accustomed to and they have to build up that pecking order then that's a stressful situation 
and these microbes are able to overcome that uh, system, that protection system, and they can infect other animals. Uh, mm -hmm. So that's one of those and um, respiratory disease uh, because they share water. Uh, when they have the snot, they put the beak in their water mm -hmm. and that <laughs> goes out all over the place. Or they just uh, maybe sneaking. So you just move through the air when they are in close proximity. So respiratory problems are one of those. Another thing that uh, uh, in your cups, I really like how you have it. Uh, we see quite often is what people comment about bumble food mm -hmm. and, uh, or food, uh, food issues. Mm -hmm. And uh, there are two major things that we see uh, with that is either the uh, floor is not proper, so it's either very wet or very hard, uh, or the roost area is too narrow for the for the breed. So uh, they tend up to uh, end up with these sores on their footpaths, and it's really a change on the environment. I can drain the, the pass, I can drain everything, but unless I change the environment, it's going to come back again. What do you mean by the roosts are too, did, did you say the roosts are too tight? They're too narrow. Too no, narrow? the roost the, the for like for pullets is okay to have it about an inch or for very, for uh, bantams, an inch width is fine. Uh, I like to have two to three inches for standard size chickens. If you have a giant jersey, you may have a little bit larger, even up to four inches, even a, a large rooster you may have uh, for uh, the, so those two by fours, try and put it the, the two for the birds to, to uh, stand, just bring it flat. Okay. So the four inch, uh, that's where, where they're going to sit because the, the uh, chickens are not, yeah, that's a good one with the, with the cords and everything. Uh, so, uh, and that's a two by three, I believe. Oh, oh, okay, so hold on. It probably uh, was a two by four, and it's been beveled. Okay, I got a lot to say, and you know, for people that know me, it's like, wow, Matt's being calm really quiet. Calm down, Matt. But calm down. <laughs> I am losing this. Okay, so uh, a couple things here, real quick. And again, your enthusiasm is just a little bit too much right now. Uh, Dr. Crespel, thank you so much. I mean, I almost feel like I should be paying her right now. I think but, I'm out of here. <laughs> um, if you are just jo thank you. If you're just joining us, we have Dr. Crespo as our guest today. She has. A, a lot of names, or I'm sorry, a lot of letters after her name. She specializes in poultry science, so everything um, domestic birds. And I can't thank everyone for joining us today. And I hope you're learning as much as I am right now. And I tell you, I'm getting excited. And I'll tell you why I'm excited. <laughs> because she is saying the things that we preach all the time. And I want, again, we're all about educating the consumer. Because that's why, you know, you'll when they learn, what I want to say is the truth, because there's so much bad information out mm -hmm. there, or it can get very confusing. Let, right, let, let's, right. let's be real. So that's where, again, I love to have the experts come on with an unbiased opinion. And Dr. Crespo just mentioned something that, I mean, I got goosebumps under my sleeves right now. So I want to get your blessing, your approval. And this idea actually came from a local veterinarian. Might have even been you. I, I It was a local vet that specializes in poultry. And when you have a chicken that has bumblefoot, yes, you can go in. 
extract the pus, clean it, but it has to have time to heal. So the vet gave our customer what I thought was a great idea. And of course, I'm like, cha-ching, that's phenomenal, <laughs> is we take our regular roost bar. All right, so let's see if I can show everyone. There's the end grain right there. That's two and a quarter inches. So we just heard Dr. Cresswell say the ideal roost bar for standard hens is between two and three. And we have just found two and a quarter to work out really well for a couple other reasons. But of course, we got to make everyone happy because you also mentioned for your smaller breeds, they can get away with one inch. And I didn't want to have to make so many different roost bars. So we went with two and a quarter and found, you know, even bantams do well. Silky is another story. Um, but we took the rope and we made a special machine to wrap it. And what this does is it allows, I want to make sure everyone can see this. Okay, I'm going to change the uh, scene here real quick. Is that um, it allows air, if my understanding is correct, it allows air to get underneath that foot so it helps dry it out and it allows it to heal. And it's just a great way to mimic the tree branch, if you will, and from a green point of view and a business point of view, these boards now look beautiful. But if I was to unwrap this right now, it was probably a rejected board based on appearance. It is structurally sound, but it was a great way for us to reduce our waste. So Dr. Crespo, please give me your thoughts on this. Thumbs up. Two Yay! thumbs up. Awesome. <laughs> Answers that. <laughs> That's great. Uh, it, it is. So I have to ask, and I, I can't, it's already 1245, but I believe we can go over, and I know we got a couple questions in here, but just in case, if I don't get my two seconds in to ask a couple more questions, I'm going to do it now. And these are some awesome questions. And it reminded me of another one about, do you feed medicated feed with vaccines and things like that? And I can't remember that question we get a lot. And that yeah, kinda, we do get that question a kinda lot. Kind of goes over. And um, just regarding. See, I knew I was going to, I wasn't have my chance. Well, Go ahead. When do you get, when do you, do you need, do you need to use medicated feed? And if you do, when do you stop? And also I want to ask about Merrick's because people are always asking about that too. If they're hatching their own chicks, is there a way to vaccinate? How important is that vaccination? Um, if you have Merrick's in your flock, are you doomed forever? Um, How do you feel about CDC? <laughs> the CDC no. guidance on you can't kiss your chickens. Hug them, kiss them, you know. sleep with them. Um, All right. So let's go and start with a medicated feed. And a medicated feed means that they have amprolium. This is a chemical used to control coccidia. And coccidia is a parasite that affects uh, chickens. There are multiple species of coccidia. The, uh, these parasites are species-specific, so for coccidia that affect turkeys are different from coccidia that affect chickens or affect uh, uh, ducks. So they are different uh, species. Now, um, coccidiosis, that's what is called the disease, is actually a man-made disease. Because what we try to do is we grow too many birds all together so don't give the space and we may actually don't uh, get the floor in ideal uh, conditions is maybe too wet that allows that uh, parasite to actually embryonate and become infective so things that you uh, uh, to avoid coccidia is just to make sure that you don't have water leaking around the house, your litter is very dry, 
and you don't crowd those chickens. So that's the best way to, to prevent coccidia without needing to have to, to go for a medicated feed. I don't, you can do it if you want, but uh, if you are uh, some uh, of the hatcheries, they now do not, uh, they do uh, vaccinate for coccidia. If they vaccinate for coccidia, it is very important the first three weeks of the life of the chicken. And they have to be a little bit crowded because the way the vaccine works is actually they have a number of these parasites present and it's going to help we are producing a disease that is not very bad. So, but they, they need to cycle, the parasite needs to cycle through the bird to be able, the bird recognizes like, oh, that's a parasite, I had to fight it. And after two cycles, then they, they, their immune system will take care of the parasite but they need to be together because it passes through the feces. So if they have lots of space, they may not get access to that parasite wow. and they don't produce the immunity. So it's almost so, like a booster in a way. Yeah. I'm sure I might be using the wrong term. I don't want to get in trouble by no, the no, medical no, field, but that's exactly what, what it is. Yeah. So, wow, that's, when it, and if that's true, you wouldn't want to mix the vaccinated chicks with non-vaccinated because then they would pick it up, right? They they will eventually they are on the ground so they are going to pick it up so okay. these are things of younger birds um, depending on the species uh, usually we see most of the coccidia problems around four weeks of age but they could go up to twenty weeks of age depending on the species of coccidia um, but as being on the floor and being outdoors they are going to pick up the, the parasite now if you keep the ground dry and don't overcrowd those birds, then it shouldn't be a problem. They will pick up a few here and there enough to build up the immunity and not cause the disease. So that's one of them. So if you want to do for preventive, I would rather get the amprolium in the water if needed, uh, rather than going into the feed. I would not, that's my opinion. Um, the, because uh, I mean, you can do that in the feed. It's going to be, the problem with constantly using it is the the parasite is going to build up immunity too, mm -hmm. and eventually it's useless. Ah. So that's just like an antibiotic, you know. Eventually, yeah. So if you were going to yeah. use the water, did you say you wanted to? You would use it as a preventative, like the feed, or you would use it just as a treatment? As a treatment, yeah. Okay. When the, the feed is going to be as a preventive. Because once they get the coccidiosis, it's a disease of the gut. And when you have uh, enteritis, I'm sorry, I don't think you want to uh, eat too much. So the same happened with the, with the birds. When they have enteritis, they don't want to, to eat either. So uh, you will go for, uh, for the water. They will continue drinking. Okay. So, all right, about Marix. Um, it is a hardy virus. It is not passed from uh, parents to the chicks. It is only a chicken virus. Some uh, quail may have marics, but not too many of us keep quail in the, in the uh, small flocks. So uh, will be mostly doesn't affect turkeys. 
So the important thing with uh, Marex is to vaccinate as early as possible. This virus, what it does is uh, pass, they inhale, they breathe in the virus, and then it moves through the body. You don't see anything happening in the bird, but then about, uh, it could be depending of the strain of the virus, maybe about a month, but it could be up to a year, they start to develop tumors. So this is a lymphoma type of tumor. And uh, then they die from it. Unfortunately, we don't have a treatment for uh, this uh, Marek's disease. Now, the way of preventing it, they always talk about the vaccine. You can get the vaccine almost everywhere. And I do realize there is a the minimum that they sell is a thousand dose in a little vial. And everyone will say, well, I'm not going to do what I'm going to do with a thousand dose. Well, the thousand dose is about $35. So if you hatch all the birds at the same time, then you can vaccinate all at the same time. Yeah, if you think when you have a dog and you go to the vet for a vaccine, each of those vials for a dog is $35 to $40 anyway. Mm. So if you hatch five chickens, you go for five, for a thousand dollars through the rest, but it's $35, the same as one dog, vaccinating one dog or one cat, the cost is there. You cannot keep the vaccine uh, once it's mixed up together, you cannot keep it more than one hour because the virus will die. So then you vaccinate and it doesn't work. So ways we have done in at the NC State, we team up with 4-H and 4-H, they group, they raise chickens together and then all the 4-H kids come because they are they, they have a project together and we have been vaccinated 100 and 150 birds at a time. And we throw the rest of the other 900 doses or 850 doses away. So we have them protected. You can get with your friends and if they are all um, uh, hatching at the same time, then you can use you can use that. I, I love that last part um, where you, you can have a uh, shoot 'em up party. Yeah. <laughs> um, is it with the needle, Doctor Crespo? Is that yes? It's with the needle. Yeah, so we put it in behind the neck, so you get okay. behind the neck and just put the needle is under the skin in the okay. neck. And it is true that, uh, so there is a time period that that has to be done, or is that the coccidosis vaccine? No, I mean, um, they recommend, the uh, Marex, they recommend at day one of age, because like like I say, it goes dormant. So you don't really know if the, if you leave it for two weeks, you don't know if the your bird has picked up the, the virus from the environment. And then if he has your your bird has picked up the virus from the environment, then the vaccine is useless. So we recommend on day of age, so we make sure they they have not picked up the virus from the environment and it protects them. Now, I've also heard, and I, I'm a little confused, that I, I can understand that with bantams, you can't vaccinate them because their neck is too small. So, okay, so, ah, this is why I asked. Yeah, yeah. I wondered the this. The hatcheries typically don't do it. Maybe they have a machine. That, uh, well, they know. do. I've seen it on Dirty Jobs, I think, where mm -hmm. they just, you know. And so I always wondered, how can it be, but, you know, I guess if you get underneath the microscope and you see the different thicknesses of the neck, if that was true. But there were also standard breeds that some hatcheries would not 
uh, they did not offer the vaccine. Hmm. So I was always kind of curious about that. Now, I'm one of the kind of more natural person where I don't know if I'm a huge fan of the vaccines, but I can understand uh, it can serve its purpose. But I wasn't sure, is that true? Or is that maybe something that the hatchery is just not offering because it, maybe it's too expensive? It's probably if they are doing it with a machine, the machine is uh, just uh, with certain size of bird. So the Bantam chickens, if, if you have like a cerama that is so tiny, mm -hmm. uh, then it doesn't fit on the machine and they hold them on the with the by the head and then put the va the vaccine so the the machine may not be able to pick up the bird and hold it there because of the size, so they are not going to do it manually. Gotcha. Yeah. All right. So if it's okay, I have a couple questions now, if I may. Um, I've been dying to ask you this. So we're coming up to one o'clock. Uh, believe it or not, our show it's only supposed to be an hour, but I think we can extend. But I'm dying to know what is if you have one. What is your favorite chicken breed? My favorite chicken breed. Now take your time. That's, I I tell you I like turkeys better than chickens. I have to be honest. I think they are so much fun. I like buff orpingtons because they are uh, dual purpose. They have a very tame character. Um, that's that's what I like. I, I they are good layers. You have to control a little bit how much they eat because being dual purpose, they tend to go on the heavy side sometimes but uh, they are very lovely animals they they, they their character is just beautiful yeah buff um, orpingtons are a very common what is breed. your favorite turkey my favorite turkey the the, the one on thanksgiving you say <laughs> no okay <laughs> turkeys, i i really like any type of turkey okay uh, i like the uh the white, uh, the the uh, the heritage uh, white is beautiful. They are um, they are very different. The, the the turkeys are more mainly if you raise them from very early age, they get attached to humans. Oh, I've seen that. And, I've uh, had that. <laughs> what what is that noise, or why do they make that noise? I mean, I know they. Yeah, I, I know that, but um, and I think maybe it was just the males, and ours definitely did it. You hear this. Oof. You know, That's I'm not name. I'm not barking like a dog, but it's like, what, what, yeah. what is that noise and why? I, that, that's the males. Uh, they do that uh, that noise only. Okay. And, is, so, and that must be if it's the male, so they probably want to get some, I'm assuming. That's their mating call. Yeah. So oh, if they... Oh, yes, oh, I'm sorry. I was going to jump to something else. Uh, it, just, it just reminded me. What is the egg cackle? What, why do they do that? Do you know the, the chickens? Oh, they yeah. They the lay egg? an egg and they're like, hey. The, the cackle. The... I guess it's just to say, come and see my shiny new egg. Okay. <laughs> but no, they never come run and be like, oh, that's pretty good, Henry. I don't get away from the egg when they do it. Yeah. But they, they, they want to let everyone and sometimes know. Sometimes it seems like it's contagious. Once hey, one you starts to get do out, it. Of your, uh, out of your cloaca, it's like, gee, guys. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good response. I can't. I can't argue with that. Um, another question I, I've been dying to ask is, do you or or would you recommend? Um, you know, we, we we have our books here, some of our personal favorites that we like to go to. Uh, this is one of my favorites because I don't like reading, and I find the whole dummies section is very easy reading. Do you have a, a book you would recommend for our viewers? I have those three at, uh, <laughs> on, 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 on. So, myself. Um, 
I do like, depending on what it is, um, and I don't remember which one is the blue one, the background with the blue one is more for, yeah. So I recommend that one if you want to know anything on health, that's the best one to have very simple to follow. I'd recommend that even for vet, the veterinary technicians that they are interested in knowing something about uh, uh, poultry. The um, green one, they were, the second one that you showed, yeah, that the one there. Well, it, it is green, that's... believe it or not, but we have a green screen going, so you don't see <laughs> the... Yeah, yeah, it is, uh, yeah, that one actually, I like the management portion of it. It explains very well things that are needed for water height how many eggs how much feed do you calculate the spaces coop designs or ideas for coops i like for that um and finally the dummies is just more an introduction mm -hmm. um, it was my first you... book yeah and and we also have chicken health for dummies and that was written by a local vet as well oh that's right and we were gonna see it was a mm -hmm. he she, she? Mm -hmm. Um, so a couple more questions just popped in my head that uh, we have actually talked about and discussed, so it's that serious on the show. But before I forget, we get a lot of questions. A lot of good questions. Show. So I don't know how much more time we have with you, but I can't thank you enough. Uh, and if we have any viewers that are just joining us, we have Dr. Crespo, a expert in poultry science, if you will, and she has taken the time out of her busy day to be with us to answer our questions, and we definitely want to get to your questions. So I wanted to see if there was any other questions before I go on and. There's a couple comments um, that I wasn't 100% clear about that I just thought maybe we would discuss a little bit. But there is a mention about Captain Jack's. That's a spinosad. That's what she was talking about. Too. Okay. That's a spinosad that you can use on plants and yeah. to get rid of the, the mites and things like that. Okay. 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 I, I completely I didn't, phew, I didn't went over that, that part. Either. So then I have to ask another question, if, if I may. I have one, too. I'll tell you what, I'll let you go. Really? Well, I just asked two. I oh, had to okay, get it out okay. of the what way. What about apple cider vinegar? Is there any... Is... I was going down that well, path. really? Yes. It... Does that so work? Mainly this... Yes, it does work. If nothing else, it works to reduce the uh, load of uh, yeast and bacteria in the water in the summer. So it actually helps uh, so they don't eat dirty water or drink dirty water. Um, we actually, in commercial uh, poultry, in the, the mid-type birds, we lower the pH to five, uh, to five, down to five, which is very low. Um, but what we are trying to prevent is uh, bacteria and viruses and algae from growing in that water. And that's the value of having that apple cider vinegar, is just to minimize that growth of those uh, microbes in in the water. How much would you use? Oh, it's not too much. You just need like in a gallon. You will use like a, a half of, of a cup. Of a cup is enough. So half of a cup in a gallon of water that uh, should be sufficient. Uh, you have to be careful if you've never used it. Sometimes birds. They say, oh, they don't smell, but they do taste, and mainly water. They do find differences in flavor in water. So if there is something that uh, they just don't like to drink, you may have to use less. You can, uh, to check for the pH, you don't want 
to go below uh, pH 5. So okay. you have those paper strips that for the pool and everything. Mm -hmm. So you can use those paper strips to measure the pH of your water. So you want anywhere between 7 and, and 5, ideally 5.5 uh, if you want. Uh, in the summer, you want it to closer to 5.5 just because it prevents the growth of microbes in the winter because of the temperature is lower you don't have so much uh, algae growing or so much another thing for the drinkers you may want a drinker that is um is not translucent because if it's if there is any light going inside the the water then the yeast is going to and the algae is going to grow in that water so you want a something that maybe is completely red or some some other color but doesn't allow light inside that water I, i'm so glad you mentioned that and this is exactly what i wanted to get into because this is a a, a common question yeah, a common yeah. subject that we talk a lot about and it's very important <clears throat> it has to do with water and going back to being a lazy chicken owner um i feel that we have invented a really good watering system and there have been details about our watering system that our customers have brought to our attention and i love when our customers bring stuff to us good or bad especially the bad i mean that's what makes us better and there's been some things they have brought up but the question is all the time about apple cider vinegar and i didn't realize that the apple cider vinegar will help reduce the algae growth uh inside the water but if, if i understand this correctly by adding the apple cider vinegar what how it works is by just simply lowering the ph that's what it's mm -hmm. doing in order so that the uh, the algae and the yeast can't grow because they need higher acid, uh, acidic water i guess right if i'm following mm -hmm. this correctly so yeah, our yeah. viewers and you know chicken owners they could easily then take the strips that measure ph and i've been told they're not exactly accurate but they're very easy and affordable but it's a good start i know when i was raising coral i actually had a ph probe it was incredible but anyways um so they could just put the strip and in, in, in our case i want to show it to you again I'm, hopefully i get another two thumbs up is um, our rain barrel system where they oh, yeah. could dip it in there so the goal is especially in the summer because when it's warm to get the ph down so these certain things can't grow and i got to tell a quick story of, of something that's happened and maybe this can help someone else but i'm going to go ahead and share the screen because you wouldn't believe how apple cider vinegar came back to haunt a customer of mine <laughs> so dr crespo if you could see um yeah. so back to carolinacoops.com and i'll click on here and oh, well, this item's out of stock, so I can't click you on can it. You can click on it. You can click just on go it. Go to read more. There read. Oh, I, well, I don't like reading more. All right, we'll All right. click on it. So, in a nutshell, uh, what we have is a 55 gallon food safe, high density polyethylene solid. Uh, I'm so glad you mentioned about not having translucent material because, yeah, that's going to grow algae. So, it's very dark inside the rain barrel and it goes through stainless steel hoses that feeds a PVC pipe, which I know is commonly used for DIYers making their own water system. And I am adamant that we use the PVC that is meant for potable water. Um, but it does hold a large amount of water, which makes it nice for us. But we do have a lot of customers question about, well, won't that get stagnant and or if we are capturing the rainwater? So my, my question is this, what would be your opinion on capturing rainwater? And is there a way to test, like you were just saying with the pH, 
if the water might need to be changed out, which can be done very easily. I know, again, I'm lazy. I've gone over a year, the chickens, but my chickens also free range. So they have access to all kinds of different water, but it just makes it a great system um, for chickens, especially in the wintertime because it's heated and it won't freeze. So, um, and is there any danger in having that paddle heater in there being rusty or? Right, and it doesn't get rusty, and that's it designed okay. for animals. Okay. Um, and you do have to clean that, and that's another thing that comes up. And if you read the instructions, you pull it out, typically mm -hmm. at the end of the year, and you just want to clean it. But depending on uh, the calcium, the manganese, the magnesium, whatever's in the water can react with that metal, but that is actually designed okay. uh, for animals. So I know that was a lot, but I would love to hear your thoughts on our system and or just in general, um, if you were to design your own chicken waterer that would last a month for 50 birds and you had to walk away kind of set and forget it so if i would do it i mean i i the rain is ideal some people uh or they may live in areas where they don't have as much rain or they don't have um they don't want to get as uh, big container mm -hmm. i really like the uh, float system like in the toilet mm -hmm. so you can actually open a hose and uh, let it run and once the the float comes just like the toilet it stops and you don't have so you have a hose adjusted to it and forget about the the, the water so you actually are giving drinking water if you are more concerned than just collecting from the rain or if there is periods of time that uh, your rain is not sufficient to uh, for, for your birds. Uh, so that's another lazy way of doing it without uh, having to think about, oh, I had to uh, give the, the water to the, uh, to the chickens. Uh, with the apple cider, uh, it actually will uh, help to clean up that PVC pipes because there is always biofilm. So uh, like you say, some of the steers or heaters, they will put some minerals out there that may stick to the edges of some of the pipe and then bacteria latch to, the, uh, to that uh, uh, material. So it is good to use uh, something to clean up the, the pipe uh, and reduce the bacteria in those PVC pipes. Um, but yes, ideally, like uh, you have, I do like the nipple type system or the cap system. Um, I think you have nipples. Mm -hmm. The major th thing I see in the uh, nipple type uh, in your system, it should be in front of the beak, not low, no, but just when the chicken uh, stand up, it says at uh, the size of the beak, if they were roll around, so it's coming from the top then they have to go almost like in the tippy toes and, and get uh, to the drinker. Uh, if it's a cup type, then they just go under the chin and they put the, the drink. You have to think the chickens don't have lips. So anything, if you put it too low, anything from the, uh, that they drink until they go in, that it goes by gravity inside their throat, is going to be maybe leaking and wasting water. So it is less, if you put it at the right height, then it is, um, there is less uh, waste of water. 
Yeah, I mean, that, that is such a great point. And again, I have to make sure we explain to our viewers, we are not paying her to say any of this. <laughs> so what is the correct height? So it depends on the height of your birds. Okay. So it, it depends on the type of the drinker. So in the type that you show there that they are going to go and you have the tube and then mm -hmm. your nipples are facing the bird, it has to be at the level of their beaks. Right. So we're going to practice right now. So let's pretend this is the water nipple. We're going to keep it down low. All right. And then you got to try to drink. Right. Right. But if you have it at just the right height, like when we're doing funnels in college, it, it then it flows perfectly. So that makes good sense yeah. that it makes it easier for them to drink it. And we're not wasting it and right. also causing a sanitation issue, mm -hmm. which I've seen with other waterers, especially the ones that if they tilt just a certain way, you, you fill up this two gallon water and you go out there. And it's like, what, where the hell did all the water go? Oh, yeah. um, but that's one of the reasons why we love our nipple system, especially the horizontal one. It doesn't drip. And we have found the chickens just, one, they learn it very easily. Well, actually, and I have them right here. And it's just a, a great, great product. Also, I have been told, and I would love to get your advice on this or thoughts, that it can be also considered what we call a boredom buster. One of the worst things you can do is let your backyard flock get bored. And this is another way to i know it might sound wrong but they're i like my chickens working make them work a little bit so yeah. it's healthier it's cleaner uh would you agree with that yeah yeah sure you always have to entertain those birds uh, yeah. mainly if you uh i mean all the feeds have pros and cons uh, the nice thing of uh, pellet feed is that they eat everything and they cannot waste feed uh, it's a balanced diet all throughout but now they finish eating very quickly and they get bored and they get that <laughs> back to each other. Yeah. So, oh, so you're saying crumble feeds might be wasted, but they have to work harder for it. Because yeah. there is that question all the time. Do you more. do pellets or crumbles? Mm -hmm. I do right. pellets because I feel like they have less waste. I never yeah. thought about it from a boredom buster point mm -hmm. of view. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they get they get bored and they get then they peck at each other. But you can always get uh, toys for them and they can, mm -hmm. um, and play so they can play. And uh, I don't personally care too much about the um, pecking. What do they have? Like is it like a, the xylophone? No, they have uh, the xylophone. It's for citizens. It's not for. Uh, that one is yeah. uh, it's for the parrots. It's not okay. for the chickens. The chickens don't really care that much. Um, but they have, um, they make like blocks. Yeah, the suet with blocks, the suet blocks, like for wild birds. Yeah. I don't like those because they have too, too much, uh, carbs. It is full okay. of molasses. Oh, so pizza is bad for the chickens. I had a viewer say one time, oh, you can't give them pizza. Too many carbs going to make them too fat. Well, you occasionally. We're about maybe, to eat pizza. Like, uh, once a year, you can give them pizza. Once a year? <laughs> Not every day. Oh, I thought it was once a week. Man. All right. We get this question a lot, and that's, um, is there what do you, is there anything you can't feed your chickens? Um, you know, if you're giving them scraps from your kitchen or leftovers, people food. In your no. professional opinion. In my professional opinion, be careful about the salt. They actually need a third of the salt that we need in their diet. So if it's anything that is cooked and you add salt, don't give it in excess because then we are giving them too much salt. Mm. Um, 
things that um, some people give, like for instance, kale, because they think it's healthy, but don't give too much kale because actually it produces uh, goiter because it has, it was going to inhibit some of the iodine and they cannot produce uh, some of the thyroid hormone. So any of that. Um, don't overdo, some people do the, the play area with the cabbage and they hang with a hook and then they have the cabbage thing. Well, cabbage uh, has a smell. And if you like cabbage very much, then you may end up eating eggs that taste like cabbage. So it does <laughs> and is that true with onions? It is true with onions. It is true with uh, fish. If they, if you actually give them sardines, ends up uh, going into the egg. Um, if, uh, for instance, if you store the chickens and you have kerosene next to where you have the, the eggs, they actually pick up the kerosene taste. Wow. So just be careful because those eggs pick up uh, flavors and smells. So, so basically, is, is there anything else? Well, hold, so here's what I'm hearing. Great question. And I was not expecting this answer. But I'm going to tell you, I'll be honest with you. I love this answer because it's not what you can't or cannot, can and cannot feed mm -hmm. them. It's about moderation. Right. It's about how much you give them. And that's something we have gone on record and said, there's really, in my opinion, you know, I mean, I know there's people like don't give them apples because of the apple seeds or don't give them avocados because the avocado pits. I insist that chickens are not as dumb as people think and they know what they can and cannot eat. We want to make sure we avoid mold. Um, but it's not so much what you can and cannot, it's how much. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. They, uh, I mean, one of the things that uh, is the same, like I may see an impaction if they are giving too much green. So if it's just like kind of grass that is very wet, their system is not uh, set up to break up that uh, the, the very fresh uh, mm. grasses. So that may end up like all knotted up in the crop of the bird. So, and creating an impact. So you don't want that very, lots of very long strings of uh, very fresh greens either. Okay. So we have some questions and comments coming in. And I tell you, uh, Mike Trapp has a very interesting question. And I made this mistake in my reptile breeding days. And when I went to the reptile expert, it made perfect sense what he said, but that's someone that makes money off of this. So I, I Dr. Crespo, I have to ask you this question. So we're going to bring up the comments. Mr. Mike Trapp, who's a huge fan of ours. He's always here. He's probably one of our most loyal um, viewers. Let's see where to go. So he's asking about what about using distilled pure water for chickens? I think the wild, I mean, you could, but uh, it's kind of expensive, I would yeah. say. I, I will just go for regular water. I'm the, if you're going to spend that, uh, you can use it. I would, however, if I'm going to use uh, the still water, it's because I want to do a vaccination or something like that. Because if I am going to do a live vaccine via the water, I don't want the chlorine to interfere with, um, with the vaccine. But just for regular drinking, I go just for regular water, unless you are doing some type of treatment that then the chlorine may interfere with uh, with it. So something I rain was water, told. Your rainwater system. 
Um, so something I was told is that if you give distilled water constantly, you're actually not giving, you're taking away because that water is lacking nutrients. Uh, I guess nutrients would be the word yeah, or minerals. minerals. That's the word. That's the word I was looking for. Minerals. And I made that mistake with my first chameleon. I felt horrible, but I had someone else give me advice. Oh yeah, give them distilled water. It's pure. Yeah. It's the purest form. It's so pure. There's nothing in it um, where we do need, you know, like I'm a huge fan of well water. You know, I never really mm -hmm. thought about it, but I'm thankful now I grew up on well water. All my friends are like, Oh, this is awful. I didn't know any better, but there's good stuff in it. So, um, so you can do, it would be a good idea to do st distilled water if you need to make sure there's no chlorine or maybe any other chemicals that could, uh, if you're if you're administrating any type of medicine. So very, very good question. Would you advise against using a drop of chlorine in your water to prevent algae or? or I don't. I, you can actually use chlorine or even just a couple of drops of, it's like in a gallon, it's, I think it comes like a teaspoon of water or something like that, mm -hmm. uh, of bleach. You can actually, of household bleach to reduce the uh, that, similar to what you were, we were talking about the apple cider vinegar earlier on. So you could put just like a teaspoon in a gallon for, for bleach in, in the water. Would if that you hurt the chickens? It wouldn't. It wouldn't. And mainly the bleach is going to evaporate very quickly. The thing that I am concerned with the bleach, even if you leave it overnight and you say, well, I'll clean it, just be careful because bleach contains a lot of sodium. So you end up, like oh. I said earlier, they need very little salt compared to us. So they may end up with more salt that they need if you put too much uh, bleach in it. Okay. Well, it sounds like apple cider vinegar would be the preferred. I had no idea. And I tell you, Nan's got apple cider vinegar pill bottles everywhere. <laughs> and I, in my old age, whether it's stress or whatever, my diet, it has been the miracle pill for when I have heartburn. But again, it's just lowering that pH. I didn't realize how valuable that can be even administrating as a cleaning agent in your water system. And I, I wanted to share a, a bad situation that happened, I don't know, two, three years ago, real quick, a lady had an ongoing issue with her heated water system. And the long story short, I finally was like, okay, I'm on my way out, drove down to Philly PA somewhere down there and went up to a rain barrel. And it's like 10 degrees outside, maybe even negative 10. And went up to a rain barrel and I touched it and it was very, very warm. Now, so for the record, our heaters do not heat up the water. They only bring it up to 42 degrees Fahrenheit. So we don't want it hot. Mm -hmm. But hers was a heater that for whatever reason got shipped to her accidentally. And she was using so much apple cider vinegar trying to figure troubleshoot her system that it actually was growing the yeast, if you will, or something was going on where it was so coagulated. So I just want to make sure if anyone's ever used apple cider vinegar and they're like, wow, it's making my system worse. Make sure when we say we put a heater inside that rain barrel, doesn't mean it's making it warm. It's only going to keep it right above freezing is what we're shooting for. Yeah. So an, another question from Rudy, and this is one of my favorite. Is it a vegetable? Is it a fruit? What is rhubarb? I would say it's a vegetable. It's a vegetable. It's a vegetable. Um, are, can chickens, are they okay with eating rhubarb? So the same as I said about the string of the yeah, uh, grasses, oh. it's very stringy. So you can actually give it, but chop it up in small pieces. So that the string doesn't mm -hmm. 
use like a cord that is going to tangle up other foods or other things that they eat. Great advice, um, which also brings up another thing. We've been working on caffeinated eggs. Do you think that's possible if we keep giving our chickens coffee grounds <laughs> that we might get some coffee tasting eggs that kind of perk you up in the morning? Hi, you may try it. <laughs> that would be good. Coffee and egg. A twofer, coffee and egg, and mm -hmm. eggs together. Yeah. You're up to something. Uh, can can chickens have chicken and eggs if it's cooked? Can can chickens can have chicken uh, eggs and coffee? Eggs and chicken. Like if you were gonna feed your chickens cooked chicken. Oh well, hold on. Whoa, whoa, buzzer, but hold on. Wait a minute. Wait, wait, wait. We're going there. Okay. You. Well, get... some people. I tell you what. Some people use the the shell as a source of calcium mm -hmm. for the. Well, and actually, someone was just asking that question. Yeah. Um, so when when I my eggs just get too old, sometimes I cook up a big pot of scrambled eggs and feed those oh, gradually over the next week to the chickens. So that's you know when the the vet tells you you have you have a chicken that is sick and they they give you like you have to give this medication. Yeah, that's actually a way to you just put the medication in the egg. And the they will eat it. Mm -hmm. Like scrambled eggs yeah. or something. Yeah. Like okay. a scrambled egg for the leg. Yeah. Okay. And then give the scrambled eggs to the chicken. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's that. right. Huh. That yeah. Like so they actually, it's easier to feed them in that way than try to fight with the chicken <laughs> and open the food and try to put them, uh, the medication in the mouth. Um, so I've done both. Maybe... So. <laughs> I well, agree yeah. with it. I mean, that reminds me when you got to give a pill to the dog, you yeah, put exactly. some peanut yes. butter. Uh, so Dee Dee Newman does ask, and I, we did touch on it a little bit, but I just wanted to be able to get to her question, is if you have time for another question regarding using crushed eggshells versus oyster shell for calcium, I've read, probably read too much, eggshells are a short-term calcium and oyster shells are a long-term calcium. And since most egg formation takes place at night. I didn't know that. Is that, I'm not sure if that's true or not. Crushed eggshells are not as helpful as oyster eggshell in helping prevent soft eggs. Hmm. So I never, I never heard of the, the oyster shell being long term versus the eggshell yeah. being a short term. I never heard of that personally. It is possible. Now, um, one of the things of both of them is they can be given ad lib. So you can leave them there. The, the eggs, just uh, bake them to make sure you kill all the bacteria that is outside and crush them and just put it in a bowl and you can leave it there and, and the chickens are going to eat it whenever they need to. As this listener says, they do build most of the shell during the night. It takes about 25 mm. hours to build up an egg. So from the time that the yolk comes out of the ovary, it takes about 25 hours for a chicken to get hold down with the, with the egg. Uh, so most of that shell is, is, the, is done obviously at night. Uh, that's when it happens. Uh, so they will take the shell, the, either the oyster shell or the egg as they need, and they will not take more. It's one of the, they may eat other treats and they will put weight on other treats. Like if you give crack corn or things that they like like that, 
but the oyster shell there is smart and they say i don't need that and if you have roosters that you will never see the roosters going into the uh, oyster shell or really? the eggs. that's they amazing don't, they, they're they're so smart i, I never thought about that amazing. but that that does make good sense hmm. and uh, then another thinking about roosters sorry i interrupted sure no going back to what we were talking about uh parasites long time ago uh, roosters are not as clean as hens are, of so course. you will be very <laughs> seldom, very seldom you will see them actually dust bathing, versus the hens do a lot of dust bathing. So when there is a problem, if you want to check for parasites in the coop, if you have roosters, those are, they are a good uh, source to check because they are the ones that they will show the the parasites before the hens. What a great tip. Yeah, yeah, it is. I didn't know that. Wow. Um, Dr. Crespo, we are coming up to our 1.30 cutoff time. And I tell you, I can't thank you enough for this. This yeah. was probably one of my most favorite shows we have Amazing. done. I <laughs> will be asking you to come on again. I would love to even maybe if we could ever connect out in the field. Uh, you know, as you know, yeah. hopefully now we are back down in North Carolina. We've split up into two different shops. And I think it would be so much fun to maybe work on uh, another show in the future. Because this is just so fun listening mm -hmm. to an expert, especially when they say the same thing we're saying, but to take it to a whole <laughs> nother level and to be able to back it up with all that, those letters after her name. And just you just have such a great way of putting it. And I know, uh, I'm sure I speak for all our viewers out there that you did a great job. Can't thank you enough. And I hope we get to talk again in the near future. And thank you for inviting me. And I look forward to seeing you again. Oh, wonderful. Yes, and thank, thank you. Yes, and I can't thank I can't thank her and her team enough for everything they've done for me and my flock, and they have such a valuable resource for people in the Raleigh area and in an hour circumference around. Um, and it's relatively new, the service, um, maybe like two years or a little less than two years, but it's, mm -hmm. it's amazing. It's amazing what they do, and all her doctor res the resident doctors they're wonderful they're just wonderful and i can't say enough about them because yeah that is awesome they they not only have saved me a lot of money from taking them to the emergency vet but i mean they you do pay but it's not anything but that you're teaching the students and they're so helpful they're so compassionate and it's just it's yeah. amazing just a great Thank thing you. another great benefit of being in the raleigh mm -hmm. area for sure yeah We thank you so much, and thanks, thank thanks you. again for coming on and answering all our questions. And we hope to have you or maybe one of your residents on too. Would be fantastic. Or that would out. be fun. Yeah. 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 Well, we I told them to come over, and they say, "No, no, no, you do it." Well, <laughs> so let, let me ask real quick because there is one thing we didn't we didn't talk about, but uh, I'm sure. I, I mean, I'm wondering now because, and I know we may have some customers that are like that are in this local area. Like, oh, I would love to have her out. What is the cost? How much does it cost to have you come out? So we charge per mile uh, that we go. So going uh, go there and back, and it's, I think it's like. 75 cents uh, the prices they keep changing on me the prices <laughs> i know about that <laughs> uh, so it is about 75 cents a mile and then they have a fee a flat fee uh, i think it's now 40 dollars for clean up the van because we don't want to pass the scissors from flock to mm -hmm. flock so we clean up the van every time that we go out so that goes back to you 
plus then um, go just the medical services that we do. So it, it comes usually about $200, uh, 250 tops. Uh, we try to work with uh, the with you and your budget. Um, we obviously cannot do everything on the field. So if uh, some people, we have to refer them back to the vet school, to the avian and exotics clinic, uh, because there are some things that we cannot do, but we are trying to, we are learning to, like uh, Ingrid was saying, we are relatively uh, young service. I've been in North Carolina for three years and the service been for two years. So we are still learning. Awesome. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much, and I hope to uh, we'll, we'll be talking soon. Yes, thank you. All right. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you. Have Take a great care. weekend. Bye, you too. I wow. Took notes. Wow. I know. Yeah. Wow. They're incredible. They're just incredible. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I hope you guys out I'm, there enjoyed that as much yeah. as I did. I love getting all of these questions that we get over and over again. I love getting, okay, well, now we have the final answer. We have confirmation. Yes. Final <laughs> answer. Yeah. Locking video, it in. Go to the videotape. Yeah, it's not just us. There is yeah, a reason so, why we got into this business. Yeah, what I took away from that, too, that I learned is about DE and apple cider vinegar. Those two things... I Really that blew me know. away. Mm -hmm. I tell you what, I am. I, I mean, of course, now the business side of me is like, gosh, we need to figure out the science of apple cider vinegar and how we can bottle up our own special water cleaning chicken water treatment apple cider or vinegar. Or you just go to the store and get apple no, cider vinegar. No, no, stop. Don't, don't piss on my parade. <laughs> or will... you can grow apples upstate new york and get the apple cider vinegar yeah poor yeah. upstate new york no we'll have to figure out we'll have to do the equation as to how much to put into your rain barrel. well so you did ask that and I, that was again i i couldn't mm -hmm. find the calculator oh you got it way over there so what was the answer to that it was half a cup in the summer half a cup per gallon right oh half a cup per gallon i thought see right. i thought she said half a cup for the whole system. I knew that couldn't have been right. But so you right. have to be careful because you don't want it to be too Right. So how often? Tasting. How often? Just and she said it was more important in the summer. Yeah. Definitely more important in the summer because it's warmer. That's when you can contribute mm -hmm. to the things that we don't want. So half a cup per gallon. So if we have 50 gallons, so that's going to be um, 100 cups. <laughs> Am I saying that right? Or is that... 25 cups. Help me do the math. I am, I don't know math. Well, the, I think the problem is, is you don't want to just pour in. Okay, can I see the calculator? No one's answering no. it. Apple cider vinegar. Come on, you can oh. reach it. Oh, uh, we're it. listening. Hold on. Get, I got it. Okay, I'll use my phone. No, Here but you don't want to pour too much in because the problem is if they taste it and decide yeah. they don't like it and they stop drinking it. It might be a gradual thing. You might yeah. Want I mean, well, I so we need to figure this out. But I, I just think, I don't think you should just go by half a cup per gallon. Hmm. Here, bring, bring, I, I can't hear you well. Get, get that mic right I, up. I, okay, don't grab I it by the. I can do some field testing. So but okay. I, I just, I'm afraid there that people There's are. There's I'm afraid people are going to put a whole bunch in their rain barrel and then the chickens aren't going to drink it and they're not going to be yeah. aware that oh, the chickens you, aren't drinking it. You know it. that's exactly what's going to happen. Right. So um, I, I want people to be careful. So right. But it, oh, oh, you're still there. There she is. I'm still here. So don't worry. You just, like I said, they really taste the, the vinegar. So if they're not used to it, yeah. just make sure you start little by little. And uh -huh. they get used to that. And don't go ever below five, like the strips. Just make sure never go below five. Okay. On the pH. So on the pH. Your water is going to be around seven. So when you get those strips, they're going to be about seven. 
Because pH neutral is seven, right? Seven is neutral. Yeah. Yeah. I I'm gonna try it. I'm gonna try it on. Yeah. So we we definitely got to do that. I'll do it gradually. And and you know we're gonna have listeners that um. Oh God, we're gonna be hot. we're gonna be crucified at the stake. Man, you told me to put apple cider vinegar in because us Americans, especially, we think more is better and everything. Mm-hmm. But yep. wow, what a great interview! Great stuff. We definitely got to hook back up with Dr. Crespo and see if we can't do something out in the field. Yeah, maybe especially at one of our chicken coops. A chicken check it, would be good. A Just, chicken check. Mm-hmm. I think one of our and I, you know Carolina coops we could pay for it. It would be a lot of fun, um, and. I, do, I, I have to be honest. I love getting the blessing, the confirmation. I mean, all the way down to our rope wrap roost bar. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just that's, that's just me. You know, I, I, I come across these problems, but when an expert gives an idea, we just figure out how to execute it. So I want to say that's probably what we uh, definitely did. So it is way past our cutoff time already. <laughs> all right. So we got some news. Okay. I mean. So, so, so a little bit of news here coming up. I, well, we don't know if we're going to be here next week. Time is up. We have started cutting. I don't know if I can say this literally. Well, I probably can't. Well, I think the the one gentleman from the Granville County, he he's on our side for sure. Uh, but we, uh, let's just say some coops are going to be coming out the door down here. Oh. So that is good. Well, but make sure you get a picture. We can share that with people. Mm-hmm. All right, never mind. Yeah. Yeah, no uh, evidence. Yeah, no evidence. <laughs> yeah, just, just Coop sitting outside going into a truck. Um, no evidence. Um, Nothing but, to see here. But yes. we're going to be uh, – this is going to be a lot of fun. We got a big custom Coop coming up that we're going to be building turnkey on site. And I think we'll definitely do I'll, – I'll call in. You and Ingrid can still come here. Or maybe if you ladies want to fly out to Santa Fe, New Mexico. It's okay. There's Ingrid already getting mad at me. It would be so much fun to do this show out on the road, wouldn't it? Oh yes, and I think we, it's always nice when we have guests. I I know we're we're cool and all, but we're pretty cool. Yeah, I I think it's nice to change things up. I like having Absolutely. the guests. I like having. I think it would be great if we could go on the road. Um, oh, speaking of the road, hold on, I got an announcement to make. All right, I got. Um, oh, this is not even drama. We haven't played the shop drama music Wait, you yet. Need the one with chickens. That's not the right one. Oh, that's oh, not. Oh yeah, the... I got another chicken scratch. Oh well, hold this on. This one's on my leg. Don't yeah, so. <laughs> Uh, well, we haven't even gotten to the shop drama music, but this isn't shop drama. But I got some great news to report back. Uh, let me uh, let, let me share a little bit with everyone if if they're still with us, and if you have any other quick questions or comments, maybe we can get to them real quick. But I am blown away by something. Okay, it's not as fun when you're talking about chicken scratch. Yeah. That music's a lot better. Yeah, well. uh, <laughs> um, by the way, I did train all my little ones to go into the big coop, and I think it took a week. It took a little about five days. Wait, what are you talking about? I moved my chickens from the the teenage pen to the big coop because they're old enough now. And, and I had to move them every night because they went to the old place. And it took about five days. Um, oh, crap. I'm not seeing What are you looking it. for? Well, maybe, maybe – well, just I wanted a, a little bit of a teaser, and I think I know what I need to do. I had to open up here and um, – well, I, I guess it, nice. it, it'll be all right. It'll be all right. So I'm going to share the screen. Uh, let's see here. Are we Are we there? Yeah, there we are. So check out this beautiful custom coop we're doing out in High Point, North Carolina. All Eastern Red Cedar, Mortis and Tenon. Am I ho- oh, you have to drive all the way to Ohio yet. Am I holding you up? Oh, yeah. I are just you asked in trouble? if the pizza was ready. <laughs> oh, I know. And I can't wait for that pizza. So our so the size on this is what, 10? So that is a 10 by 6 hen house. 
And I'm going to let's see if I can. Is uh, that is that the barnwood? Isn't that amazing? So beautiful. Oh uh, yeah. It's wow. And we don't even have the trim on yet. Here's the point. Fun fact: our new sales girl Maddie, mm -hmm. she's a badass. She's gonna get so mad at me, but I love to promote something that a talent that people have that you know. Mm -hmm. She's a power lifter. Really? She was deadlifting. It was like 240 pounds. Like, I was like, oh my gosh, she's a badass. And I took her out into the field for the first time. She loved it. She, she, she crushed it. I swear, it reminded me of my thoughts of you in the beginning, that you were a spy. Here she comes with no woodworking experience. She is rocking the table saw, rocking the router, everything that we're working on out there. I'm like, there's no way you have not done this before. She goes, no, I just watched <laughs> you do it once and here we go. So I um, I can't wait to show off this coop. I'm so happy to report uh, that we found some hidden skills in Maddie who is learning these chickens. And the one thing that I did emphasize to her before she came here, warned her, it takes years. There is so much to know to sell these custom coops, which I'm sure you can agree, because mm -hmm. uh, you were there. I've and done it all. You, you, you really have. <laughs> um, so I'm just, I'm so proud of her, so happy. And because of that, because she was willing to work, I was worried that she was just gonna kind of stand there and da-da-da. Mm -hmm. No, she got right after it. She was reading a tape measure, which has been a problem here in the shop. It's driving me crazy. I have no idea how to teach these guys fractions. She, no problem. Tables. A anyways, all right. It's time to go eat pizza. It is time to go. I hope everyone has a wonderful weekend. Kristen, Ingrid, thank you for being here. It's been great. Yes, that was a lot of fun. Have a safe trip to Ohio. We may or may not see you guys next Friday, but trust me, we'll let you know. Yes. Have a good weekend. Bye. Have a good week. Well, you just killed the outro music just like that. Inger's mad. Stop controlling it. Um, I got it. Okay, you go ahead and do it. See you guys.